Hello, and welcome to the Newbie Dentist Podcast, the safe place for newbie dentists to connect, collaborate, learn, and grow. The Newbie Dentist Podcast aims to provide high-quality and high-value content for all the newbie dentists out there. With your host, Dr. Omerizami. Hello and welcome to the Newbie Dentist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Omid Azami, and I am very excited to be here with Dr. Sirin Shakar, DDS. Uh, Dr. Shakar completed her Bachelor of Science in Biochemistry and Biotechnology at the University of Windsor before moving to New York to study at NYU College of Dentistry, graduating in 2013. While at NYU, Dr. Shakar was a member of various organizations as well as the Selective Program for Survivors of Torture, where she was able to provide comprehensive dental care to patients from various parts of the world who had been tortured in their countries and had come to the U.S. seeking asylum. Dr. Shacker completed an intensive general practice residency at Lutheran Medical Center in Brooklyn, New York, and she practiced in New York for two years prior, moving, prior to moving back to her hometown of Windsor, Ontario. Uh, thanks a lot for being here with me today. Um, we just to give the listeners some background, we sort of you reached out to me on Instagram with some um, advice on a case that I had I had put up uh, with some anterior restorations, and uh, you sent me some articles and stuff. So that mm-hmm. was that was really nice of you. Thanks, uh, thanks for sending that. And um, yeah. yeah, so that's sort of where we met. So um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? And obviously, we went through the uh, the intro there, but um, yeah. yeah, just give us a little background about yourself, and then we'll go from there. Sure. Um, so I grew up in Windsor. Uh, it's a pretty small town. It's uh, it's growing, but uh, it, you know, in comparison to the other cities that I've lived in, it's it's definitely smaller. So um, when I was uh, when I was doing my undergrad, I initially actually I thought I would do a master's and a PhD program, but then uh, once I did my thesis, I realized I can't handle working in a lab. I just couldn't, um, you know, <laughs> all the pipetting and results and statistics just wasn't for me. So I ended up shadowing uh, different professionals. And um, uh, the first dentist I shadowed, I hated. I was like, I could never, ever be him. He's, he's so mean. And then I then I met a pediatric dentist and I fell in love with her. I said, this is what I want to do. Um, uh, when I, We don't have a dental school in Windsor. So I ended up applying to the, um, and, and Windsor, for those who don't know, is right across the border from the States. Um, so I ended up applying to U.S. programs. And uh, I, you know, NYU was it, and I went there. Um, once I started working though on kids, I realized um, I like adults a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> so the <yeah, laughs> pedo kind of went downhill, and uh, I stuck with the, yeah, you know, treating the. I mean, I see, I see kids. I don't mind them. Um, yeah. Once a week, I only treat kids at a pedo's in Windsor, but um, but I do enjoy adults more. Okay, that's awesome. So I mean, I think. So you had a pretty cool introduction to it. So you you had a bad experience yeah. first, but you stuck with it, and you found a dentist yeah. who you like. So I think that yeah, I think it's um, it's important, you know, to to find more because you know there's there's so many different um, dentists out there, so many different ways of the way that they present their cases and the way that they treat their patients. For sure. The first one that I shadowed, um, 
I was, I, you know, he made me not even think about dentistry. But then after I met that pediatric one, I, I was like, no, you know what? There's, there's different ways of doing things. And, um, and then I, sh- I ended up shadowing other general dentists as well. And, um, I ended up, uh, I ended up liking, you know, liking the field a lot more than my initial reaction. And, uh, and also like, uh, personally, when it, when it, when it came to having treatment done on me, I, I w- I'm terrified of dentists. Oh, really? and so just, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not the most, you know, I'm not the best patients in the chair. So, <laughs> uh, giving anesthesia, seeing blood, all of that, those were all obstacles that I had to overcome initially. But I feel like in, you know, in dental school, you're thrown into it pretty quickly and you just have to, like, if you do have any sort of phobias when, when it comes to needles and blood and all of that, you kind of overcome it if you really want to you know, get to your goal. Yeah. And that's interesting. I mean, uh, obviously you probably get this all the time too. You know, when I, when I meet people or even family members now, they're like, Oh, it's so gross. Like, how do you look at teeth all day? And like all this and that. And, um, it's weird. Like you're in school and you learn it from scratch. I mean, you go to so much detail that when you're looking at it, you're not necessarily seeing a mouth all the time. You're kind of just doing your job, you know? So you don't get grossed out by it as much necessarily. So yeah, it's interesting. Like the, the, the stuff that you had to sort of overcome initially, the fear and all that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So what I want to talk to you about, I'm not sure how much dental podcasts uh, you, li- you you listen to or which ones you're listening <laughs> to. But from, I mean, I'm a big uh, podcast nerd myself and I, I do consume a lot of uh, podcasts, dental and non-dental. Um, yeah. But so I found there was a gap in, well, one, the Canadians for sure. Like I'm I'm, in, I'm based in Toronto, so just, you know, four hours away from yeah. here. Um, there's not many Canadian dentists having a voice on podcasts. So that's, that's why true. I'm excited to uh, talk to you tonight about it. Sort of jump in with um, finding associates uh, positions. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people, um, you know, in final year of dental school or even a lot of the in Canada and the U.S., we have a lot of uh, dentists coming from overseas um, and writing yes. their, their exams and sort of finding work that way. And, yeah. um, yeah, so what have, what's your experiences? Uh, I know we quickly talked on, uh, Instagram and, uh, yeah. we both agreed that, you know, it's not necessarily the best sort of, uh, climate that we're working in, but, you know, we're working mm-hmm. in different offices and, and, uh, seeing the pros and cons of different offices. So if you can just uh, yeah. Yeah, tell me what your experience has been, uh, finding work sure. and, and sort of, uh, what you look for in a good job and what you, what, uh, what to basically look out for to avoid, uh, certain positions. Yeah. Um, those are all really good questions because I do feel, I do find a difference. Like when I worked in, in, uh, in New York, I worked in Rochester, New York, which is close to where that is. It's, uh, um, it's, it's, Bigger than Windsor, but not as big as, you know, nowhere as, uh, near as big as Toronto or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, working in the States was definitely different than in Canada. They have a lot more corporate offices where, you know, the, they're bigger businesses and um, a lot higher volume of patients. It's And it can feel um, overwhelming in Italy. They're a lot more fast paced than, than in Canada, I felt. Um, the office that I joined uh, out of residence was was privately owned. They had five different uh, five different offices actually owned by three dentists. Little did I know though that uh, the month that I signed, they actually uh, sold the practice. And I was actually being I, I didn't really realize it until you know you kind of you're thrown into things yeah, and you sure. think you're going to something and then you realize it's a totally different thing. So I thought I was signing on with these three dentists that. They're the owners. They were the ones who were initially introduced to me. Then I realized a month into it that, oh, they're just sitting on the board. And now the company is being owned by, you know, some other company 
um, yeah. you know, that manages other, uh, you know, that is buying smaller independent offices. So yeah. I think uh, we hear about uh, about those a lot in the podcast, like the uh, the business that like uh, the Dentalpreneur podcast with uh, Mark Costas and stuff. It's sort of that yeah. model of where a couple of guys or one guy builds up a group, pra- a group of practices and then sells it off to sort of a yeah. venture capital group or something like that. Yeah. And that's, that's what I found myself in. So I, um, it, it has its benefits and it has its, you know, uh, negatives as well. I felt that, um, it was, a, it was, it was stable. Like I had a contract. Um, I had, uh, clear, you know, expectations. My, the, when it comes, when it came to the income, that was clear set hours. I didn't have to bring my own instruments. I didn't have to do any marketing for myself. Patients were, <laughs> we, there were plenty of patients that that was not an <laughs> that's nice <laughs> you know it's they did all the billing they did all the fine like i didn't have to worry about any of that when it came to collecting another thing too though um is i was on a you can with these companies you can negotiate most of them start start you off on a base salary yeah. as you as you spend more time with them you can you know you can negotiate that you want a percentage if you exceed that um base salary within a day uh i'm finding in canada I, I mean, in Windsor, at least, it's just a percent. There's no, you know, no one really negotiates with you that there's a base. I don't know if it's the same in Toronto or not, but in Windsor, yeah. most of the offices I've spoken to, it's just, you, you know, you get a percent of your collections and and that's it. Yeah. Um, I mean, in Toronto, uh, I've seen all kinds of different agreements and uh, I have, so one of the offices, I work in, uh, just a bit of background, I work in basically like four different offices right now because I'm just doing sort of like one and a half to two days like per office. Yeah. And um, so, and one of them is is a, sort of a corporate uh, deal. It's like part of a dental corp. I'm not sure if you've heard of them because they're they're, yeah. they're pretty large across uh, across Canada. Um, yeah. So with the dental corp offices, they're pretty strictly um, you know percentage base. And you know I'm not sure about over there, but in mm-hmm. our area GTA, like pretty much forty percent is like pretty pretty standard. The standard. Same uh, and, thing here, yeah. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, one of my offices I work at, it's, um, it's sort of a newer practice. And mm-hmm. when I joined them, they'd been open for about a year. So it's not fully, it's not super busy. Right. So I told yeah. them if, if I'm going to be there, I would need basically a, you know, guaranteed basic income in case, um, yeah. you know, it's not super busy. So yeah. I, I ha- I've seen both and I have had both offers and That's good. Yeah, yeah, again, like the, like you said, it's, it's more of like the situation where, um, I have the daily minimum, but mm-hmm. for the month, um, if I'm over what that minimum would be, basically I'll just get the yeah. great, the greater of you know. And that's production. probably the best thing to do, you know, when we're starting out, is to be able to negotiate because and and know you know what are the different types. Started, I I had no idea. I just, I just wanted to see the patients and you know do dentistry, and I didn't really know the different types of negotiations that we can do the different ways that we can be paid um you know when it came to benefits and all of that i didn't really you know explore any of that until afterwards or i didn't really pick up on it you know unfortunately we're not taught that in dental school you know exactly (laughs) and that's uh that's pretty much that's why i've sort of started this podcast i wanted to be yeah more for for us you know for like newer i mean you've been out for a few years longer than i have you know you're relatively new into your career and you just uh, moved back to windsor as well so um Yeah, I mean, I um, so I started in Australia. So I, when I, our school years are a bit different oh. there. So I graduated from uh, University of Melbourne in Australia in okay. uh, December of last year, 2016. So by the time I you know, wrote the board exam and everything, um, it was about February of this year yep. that I started working. 
And um, I started sort of right in Toronto. Okay. I started an office there and, um, you know, a nice flashy office. So when I walked in, I was like, wow, this is like a cool, uh, cool office. And everything was nice and modern. But yeah. you quickly pick up the flaws, right? You start working, and you're like, oh, that's not right. And mm-hmm. you pick up some cues yeah. that necess- you might not be in a great um, environment. So, yeah, yeah, I ended up leaving that office and another office that I had joined after like a couple months and then moving more like outside the city into like more sort of like rural type areas. It's a, yeah, it's yeah. a little bit busier. So, um, yeah. okay. So, talk to me about your uh, Instagram page. Um, sort of what I want to do with this podcast as well is yeah. um, because most of the people I'm meeting is uh, through Instagram. So, I want to sort of tie in that whole community into this podcast as well. So, I've noticed your yeah. Instagram is it's it's a, more of a mix. I mean, for me, I'm still trying to figure out my page, and I do mostly just clinical photos. Um, so, it's not really geared towards mm-hmm. like you know, um, marketing, marketing myself or like trying to recruit patients. Yeah. Uh, it's more just for yeah. the dental community. So, um, yeah. I noticed yours is more, you know, perhaps geared towards targeting towards patients and advertising yourself. Um, yeah. so yeah, just talk to me about that. And uh, when did you start it and sort of how, sure. how, how it's paid off for you so far? Yeah. So, um, so I had a, I have a private, uh, I've always had a private Instagram for, a, you know, for a very long time. Um, and I used, um, Know, daily things. I have a daughter. Post pictures of her and you know, yeah. cooking and all that stuff. And then every once in a while, I'll post a dental case. And that was when I was in, in practicing in New York because, like I said, like over there, I, I didn't really have to market myself. I didn't have to um, attract patients. You know, the company did all of that, and I just did the dentistry and you know, didn't have to worry about that. But now that now that I moved here and I'm you know I'm, I'm also an associate. I'll just I kind of uh, skip that. So I work at three different offices. One of them is the health unit. Um, the health unit, we basically, I don't know if you, if you know anything about it, but we no. basically just do, it's, um, it's through, um, it's through, through the government basically. And we only see healthy smiles or anyone who doesn't have the, the finances to see a private pediatric dentist. Oh, nice. So we only, That's great. yeah. We only see kids up to, um, I think, either 16 or 18 years of age. And we don't do everything. Like, we'll do the fillings, extractions, pulpotomies, but we don't really do the stainless steel crowns and space maintainers. So it's it's pretty basic, healthy smiles, you know. Yeah. Um, it's What I do love about it is... We, uh, we, we give the patient as long as they need when it comes to treatment time. So I'm not, you know, I'm not rushed into doing anything. And the hygiene, they also have a hygienist there who spends at least an hour with each kid. And I think that that's phenomenal, especially when, with, uh, with the kids that are coming, you know, from lower social economic status, they don't know a lot about, you know, the nutrition and they're, they're, a lot of them are just eating a lot of sugary sweets, juices, and they come with, a mouthful of, you know, cavities that need, um, work. So that's the health unit. But then, um, on the other days in the other two offices, I do, I, as an associate, I do find that I have to market myself. The, um, the owner dentist, obviously, you know, they have their patients, they have their own, you know, big cases and all of that. But me starting out, if I'm not, if I'm not bringing in my own or attracting, you know, the, the style of cases that I want to do, then I'm basically relying on, I don't say the leftover, but like whatever they, you know, they can't handle, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. and that can, that can, if, if you just not get a little bit, um, you know, tiring, if you don't want to do that style of, uh, those styles of cases. So that's why, that's where my Instagram came in. Um, I thought, you know what, I need to start to advertise and, and, you know, uh, attract patients. You got to learn the art of Instagram, the one I'm pretty, still new at it. Like my private one, you know, I never really, um, 
it's a lot it's, of work. It's private. <laughs> never really had to attract people. But now all of a sudden, you know, uh, you got to learn the hashtags. You got to learn those. You have to, you know, what do the patients want to see? Um, why would a patient, why would, you know, why would a random person um, follow, follow a dentist, you know? Yeah. Um, so... And uh, so, yeah, has so it uh, I, worked out? Have you had patients coming in and be like, oh, I found you on Instagram? You, or You know, actually, more Instagram, probably not as much. But, I, you know, I have my Instagram linked to the to Facebook at the same time. Yeah. And uh, a few for, through Facebook. Um, I, I thought it would be more through Instagram because that's where I usually post my posts because it automatically uploads into um uh, into the, uh, Facebook then uh, I, I coming through Facebook then through Instagram basically. Yeah. And that's interesting. Yeah. I've been, um, I've been reading, um, cause I'm, you know, I'm pretty new to the whole Instagram thing and I want to really like yeah. dive into it pretty deeply and like understand the platform and the whole social media, yeah. um, advertising. So I've been, uh, reading this book, uh, by Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm not sure if you've heard of, uh, Gary V. Um, no. he's got a pretty good, uh, YouTube channel as well. So he basically has like a social media, marketing company and uh, so he's written a few books and he wrote a uh, he has a book that just came out not too long ago called uh, ask gary v um okay. where he sort of you know dives into like statistics and strategies for social media and social media marketing and uh one thing that he talks about which is pretty interesting and, and sort of relates to what, what you just said is facebook now um is more for the older population so yeah. you know like our parents and and their generation is using it more than like we are because we're sort of uh, migrated to like Snapchat and Instagram. Whereas, and actually, those are the patients that I got through there are older. Exactly. So. Yeah. So I think, uh, and they're the ones that have the you know the money to come in. I mean, a lot of a lot of like twenty five year olds or thirty year olds are probably too busy to come in or they're not um, going to be regular uh, visitors necessarily right away. But yeah. so I think it's cool. I think I need to do that a bit more a bit more as well. I haven't personally done that like the uh marketing myself as an associate in these offices um mm-hmm. but it's a good idea i think i think you're onto something pretty good there so uh i may start that i might have to start like a third um instagram page just for like the the patients and get some more like memes and stuff out there for them to come in does your do your offices have their own instagram page as well or they're not doing any social media no. at all and you're kind of just they, doing that for yourself um- one of them has a Facebook, but it's not that active. Um, I wish that they were more active because I do think that social media is the new word of mouth. And I think that it's it's really something that, you know, every office should probably utilize more as a website. Um, the health unit doesn't have, you know, doesn't have anything because uh, yeah. it's just, you know, government basically based. Um, but they don't. And that's why I feel uh, like when uh, that's why a lot of the people, when you know, when they do message me either on Instagram or Facebook, they, they're always asking, uh, oh, so where should I go? Where's, you know, wh- where do you work? Or because I don't really have it linked <laughs> yeah. to certain off anything like that so i don't okay well where do you live in windsor you can either go to this office or this office how are your hours you know it, oh, nice. it's uh, yeah so it's um because i don't really have, have it linked to any sort yeah. of um clip. and it's it's interesting too i yeah, think but, uh, from the uh from the patient's perspective like the fact that they can just yeah. reach out to you and talk to like their dentist directly um that's pretty yeah. cool that must be something that's yeah. it's pretty unique right so it's yeah it's probably uh I mean, I don't think if I was working full time still, because right now with um, my daughter is one year old, so she's yeah. she's pretty young. So I'm 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 only working part time. So I do have you know the time to to spend on that stuff, and I do enjoy it. But sometimes yeah. I wonder, you know, if I was full time, I still have the motivation to keep up with with that, and I hope I do. Yeah, but it depends how busy you are, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, so definitely. what's like 
uh, just talk to me talk to me about like an average week for you right now uh, work wise um, sort of like how many patients are you seeing uh, what kind of procedures are you doing and um, you mentioned yeah. obviously like the health units the health unit ones probably you know a bit yeah. different to what most people would be doing but in your sort of like private practice office is your source of patients like new patient exams or is it that the principal dentist just treatment plans and then they kind of just book with you like basically whatever they don't want to do or or can't be bothered doing yeah, I've, I've had both um like if because because i'm not there full time um new patient exams don't come as frequently but, you know because sometimes you know a lot of the new patients might not be necessarily coming in for hygiene on that day uh but if there is a new patient's exam um and i'm available to go do the exam then i'll, I'll go and i'll do it and i can you know i can uh follow up with the patients but there is also the so because during my residency i, I don't know if, if does canada have a lot of residencies i actually never looked into that but you know a lot of residencies and you get a lot of um oral surgery so in my office um the the other dentist doesn't really like to do extractions so she does give me a lot of extractions oh, nice. that's and good, yeah. that's one thing that i think residency kind of helped me with uh you know when it came to the oral surgery um uh, experience. Um, so I do get, I do see a lot of actions, uh, in one of those, a lot of fillings too. And, you know, just your basic bread and butter, bread and butter of dentistry, as they say, yeah. um, the, um, sometimes, you know, there's the root canals on the crowns, but, um, at the, at the, at the other office, it's, it's mostly, uh, either fam- like I've, I've had a lot of family friends and, um, uh, just, uh, word of mouth kind of trying to build up my own, you know, uh, patient, patient base patient, basically. Yeah. So I do see uh, different procedures at the different offices because one of them is very busy. The other one is not as busy. Um, but they're, you know, equal, I find that in the States I might have been doing a more variety of cases. Another thing I've noticed in Canada is um, we have dentists here. Yeah. So, they, you know, in, in, in the U.S. we didn't. So oh, really? I, yeah, yeah. So over there we'd have um, the way that I used to set up my schedule. That actually uh, brings me to another point. Um, one of the things that I find that when I, when I go into an office and I'm considering working there is I want to make sure that I can set up my own schedule with my own times. That's one thing I had to um, struggle with initially because if you can't control the time that you're spending with a patient or the time on a procedure that you need, you can get really stressed, really frustrated, and not do the quality that you want to do. Um, so, you know, if you know that you need an hour and a half for a root canal, you, you the owner or the, the other dentist has to allow you, yeah, you're, we'll give you that time. You know, they can't, you can't be rushed into yeah. doing it within half 45 minutes or anything like that. But, but yeah, go, going back to what I was talking about in, in the States, we'd, we'd, I'd have, uh, my major procedure, the crown or root canal in, in the morning and then fillings. And then on the side we'd have, uh, or in the afternoon, in the evening, we'd have, you know, the dentures and the removable dentures and all of that. Cause we're the ones who did that back, uh, over there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but over here, you know, I'm finding that we do the extractions and then they go to the denture, which is fine there, you know. Um, so do you have one in your office or they're going off site and going to see a denturist like specifically? Uh, off site. Off really? site. So why don't you just yeah. keep that in house or is like did I have some I- I've been, I have, I have some cases that I've kept in house, but a lot of them, uh, due to finances end up going to, cause I, um, you know, this it's is cheaper, cheaper maybe, yeah. uh, to go to a dentist. So, um, and depending on what's covered by, uh, in the States, I, I feel like, uh, once I, I feel like I almost, almost started to master insurances in the States and then I came over here <laughs> and now, Oh, what's ODSP? What's Ontario? Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> 
it's a whole new it's a whole yeah, new world. I had world. the same experience like coming over from uh from Australia and starting up here. Yeah. I've just like no clue and and also yeah. like the uh, the codes are different, right? Because in Everything. yeah, so it's just it takes a, takes a while yeah. to learn that and uh, yeah, especially the Ontario works and the ODSP. I still like I know it's like the approval process. I still don't understand because obviously like I don't, I'm not the one normally yeah. normally doing that kind of stuff, but. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask with the with the healthy unit that you do, because um, yeah. I mean, I see some, uh, we see a lot of healthy small kids in our office. Um, mm-hmm. For the ones that, you know, aren't able to tolerate treatment and and may need some sort of sedation, how do you, is because like, if that's, they can't afford to go see the pediatric dentist or like, what do you do in that situation? Because I've been stuck like that a few times, so I wasn't too sure that's how to actually how to a do actually a huge problem that we're facing right now. We... I struggle a lot with it and I always try my best, you know, with these kids, the, um, there's a definite shortage in Windsor. I've had to refer, uh, some, some kids to London, Ontario, Chatham, um, different towns, you know, all over, uh, the wait list in, in Windsor for healthy smiles is over a year long to see a pediatric dentist. It's really sad. And the, if I can't do it, you know, the, um, I'll either refer them to another general dentist who I've, I've actually seen like at the health unit, it's unfortunate, but we don't, we don't have nitrous there either. So if I think that I can handle them under nitrous sedation, then I'll tell them, okay, come to the other offices that I, that, that I work at because I do have nitrous there. Mm -hmm. If I think that there's, I can't do it. There's no way this kid is just going to be in pain. Um, you know, then I'll, what I've been doing is referring to, um, have one general dentist has hospital privileges and he can he can take up approximately on average one case a month which i know is, is you know it's not great but <laughs> nothing yeah. nothing when the wait list is a year long but he does go by severity so if he finds that you know this case this kid is really in very severe case needs to be in so i'll refer to him because he does have the hospital privileges um the other thing too is i refer to oral surgeons um who do you know an office sedation and can pull the primary teeth out because what yeah. else can we do when they're exactly you know, they're, but do they so do those um specialists charge like healthy rate smiles or they would charge the patient full fees for the, they i think that's why the wait list is so long because they are charging them just the healthy smiles i think if the patients were willing to pay different fees they would pay them sooner yeah. i think because it's it just doesn't make sense that wait list is and and the fact that they um they also won't see them once they're over, older than five years old so oh, you know no. if i have a five-year-old that's it i can't refer to a pediatric dentist that's <laughs> I'm, I'm stuck <laughs> yeah. you know that's hard it's a tricky situation yeah yeah, if you're older than five on healthy smiles, you're done. Like I, <laughs> I'm stuck with you. And it's these government the, programs, I mean, they they try and help out, but it's it's not fully there, right? It's there's always going to be yeah. loopholes or gaps in, yeah. in the care. Um, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen that even with like Ontario Works. Um, a couple of weeks ago, yeah. I had a patient, pretty anxious guy. He came in. Um, he had like a I think it was like a four six that needed to come out. And um, yeah. anyways, I gave him antibiotics. Comes back like a week later. I give him the block. And he was like mm-hmm. shaking, like, and I was like, okay, this, yeah. is, something, like, this is not right. Um, we wait a few minutes and then he's like, I can't do this. Sorry, like, I can't do this. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to obviously force you to do anything. Um, so we had to refer yeah. him off to a oral surgeon, uh, but it's Ontario yeah. Works. So he went to the, he went to the oral surgeon and it's some like similar to Windsor. They told him like, oh, it's like a three month wait or something like that to get sedation. Oh. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's that gray space for those people who, who, you know, actually do need it, but they don't have access yes. to it. It's, uh, yes. it's unfortunate. That, that's actually probably one thing that I was very lucky with. I do have an oral surgeon that I 
basically been sending everyone to and he will see them within a week maximum i've, I've had him sometimes he'll see them the same day okay. and i i am so thankful for him i think that what he's doing is amazing i'm quite honest yeah how did you, how did you uh, develop he, that used, relationship with him um i honestly it wasn't through me it was the it was already developed by the offices where I'm working at. And, um, I just, when I saw that, you know, my patients were being seen right away, I, I started sending out the only one I sent to. So so even when I, even when it's not someone in a rush, like I had this one patient who needed, um, seven or eight teeth extracted with alveoloplasty and, um, just a ton of work. And I told him this wasn't a hate shirt. I told him, listen, you know, we can do it here or it'll probably be done much better, much faster by, by an oral surgeon. Um, and I, and referred to him as my, you know, without a doubt, I, I'm sending everyone to him now because I, I feel that, you know, he's someone that I would probably go to myself okay. just because of, yeah, That's good the, work. yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's good. So, um, I mean, I, I think I mean, you mentioned uh, briefly that you did the residency there and had a lot of uh, oral surgery experience. Yeah. Um, and I saw, I think you had like a Instagram story maybe a couple of weeks ago. You did a wisdom tooth case. Um, yeah. So how often yeah. are you doing that? And because that's something, I mean, I I didn't do a residency, but during dental school, I, I was sort of gunning to do oral surgery for for a long time. Yeah. Uh, so I did a lot of like externships and um, just like extra clinics and oral surgery. So I did a lot of extractions in school. So I have like a you know a decent yeah. uh, baseline comfort level doing that kind of stuff. Um, but now That's in good. private practice, I mean, one is like obviously you're scared of like mistakes and stuff because the stakes are a little bit higher True. with that kind of procedure. And two, yeah. um, if you're not going to be sedating the patient, so how are you doing these cases? Are you doing like left, right? Uh, left side, right side, or are you doing all four at the same time under local? Yeah. Or um, tell me about like how you uh, do your case selection and and the mode of anesthesia you're using for these cases. I'll be interested to see how you do sure. that. So honestly, when I when I finished residency, I thought I would never do this again because um, I wasn't. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I wouldn't say that I. I'm. I'm really into oral surgery. I'm more. I, I like more root canals and crown. I, during residency, we didn't we didn't have oral surgery, uh, an oral surgery residency. So it was a GPR. There was an endo, a perio, and a pedo, but no no OS. Okay. So the GPR, the or general practice residency, was basically the one who was res- the the they were the residents responsible for the oral surgery. So we had to. We saw pretty much everything, um, you know, the wisdom teeth, jaw fractures, 3 a.m., your, you know, your pager is ringing, go, you know, go fixate a jaw the next day you're in the OR. That was actually my, we were actually in orientation and I'll never forget it. Orientation, we still, we, like, we know nothing. We were just handed badges <laughs> and um, first, but it's con- it's still considered first day of work. And they look at me and they say, oh, Serene, uh, you need to go, um, get get ready to go to the OR it was around and it, w- it was in the evening too it was I think around 5 p.m or 6 p.m I was like excuse me <laughs> what they're like yeah you're actually on call today and um you, you know the there was a jaw fracture yesterday and you it's you just go <laughs> and so I I had I've no, I bare, I barely stepped foot in the hospital I had no idea you know where I was going, yeah but, um, you're kind of thrown into it so I think um if you can do externships if you can work in a hospital Definitely, I think that that's an experience that you know. Um, it's amazing, yeah. Sounds by the sounds of it. So yeah. So when when but when I graduate with the when I worked in um, when I worked after residency, we had an oral surgeon who would come once a week and he would do all every extraction. So I never, unless the tooth was like really mobile, I didn't touch a 
I didn't touch a handpiece. Like I, I just stopped doing surgical extractions. Yeah. But then, uh, so when I, but then when I was, uh, when I came to Windsor, the first thing she, uh, the, the dentist, it's funny that one of the first things she asked me, she showed me an x-ray. She's like, can you pull the tooth out? And it was a wisdom tooth. Yeah. I was like, uh, yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like, she's like, okay, you got the job, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> kind of thing. And I, uh, I'm like, man, now I got to start, you know, doing it again. Um, I only, I really evaluate the case. Yeah. If it's completely, um, if, it, if it's very, if I find that it's very difficult, I'll tell her, I'm like, you know, no, refer this. I'm not, um, I have the time, then I'll do it. Um, like the one, the case that I posted about a few, a few weeks ago, yeah. um, two patients had disappointed, didn't show up. So I actually had two hours and, uh, this patient can see a lot of, and initially I told her, I said, you know, I'm referring you, you'll probably be seen within, a week. she said, Oh, please, you know, I'm you know, I can't concentrate on school, blah, blah, blah. I looked at her and I told her, listen, it's, um, it's, a, it's kind of a difficult one. Um, if I do run into any trouble, I'll need to refer you. I told her, you know, I think the most important thing is that you tell the patient, whether it's an extraction or a root canal or even a simple filling, if you tell them all the uh, possible outcomes. Yeah, that's huge. It, um, I, I tell them, you know, listen, the nerve can be injured. I show them on the x-ray. The tooth is right on the nerve. You might suffer, you know, it happens in one to two percent of the population. If there is nerve injury, you might be numb forever. And if you explain everything to them and they, you know, um, they're in, informed consent, basically. And then um, so she was in a lot of pain. Um, so I said, OK, and I, two patients didn't show up. I have two hours, you know, one of them canceled and the other didn't show up. I was like, oh, OK, yeah. fine. If I run into any trouble, I'm going to stop and I'm going to send you to the oral surgeon. She's like, okay, let's do this. So, um, but most of the time, if like, I'll, I'll, um, I'll do the ones that are kind of partially impacted. So I kind of see, I can visualize the tooth, you know? Yeah. So you can use, so it's partially erupted or just, I mean, like, can you see it in the mouth partially or? If you can, if I can see, um, if I can see like a cusp of it, yeah, then it, then I do find that it's a lot easier than if it's completely for sure. I like, think that's a good that's a good criteria. Yeah, if I can see a cusp of it, um, if I can't see any of it, then I'm more I'm most likely going to refer, just because it's I I don't wanna I don't wanna you know go spend blind yeah. Yeah, going. Uh, although there, you know, once you a lot of them, once you open up the uh, once you do the your incision, it. They're they're right there. Not a lot. They're you know complete bony impactions. Yeah. But um, but if if you see on the X-ray that it's just they're they're just you know covered by gingiva, then it's uh, they're they're not as as hard. You know, I feel like once you've done a few you know under supervision or anything, then you can kind of get a feel for it and um, they become a lot easier. Um, but I it's I still I've I've run into trouble so many times. Like you know during residency and even even during private practice now this year, um, you know you run into trouble. You 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 know as long as you know how to um, how to move forward, how to okay stop. Now I need to refer. Just like with endo, like I you know I don't know if you have, but I've personally broken files and had to refer. You know so so it's, how do you um, so let's talk about that for a bit because yeah that's something I'm pretty like scared by. Um, I mean yeah. one because and my my sort of problem has been. You know, it's a problem and a blessing. Maybe um, I've always worked alone. So since I got to Canada and I got positions as a, as an associate, um, I've never yeah. had like a principal dentist working at the same time yeah. as I've been there. So 
from day oh. one, I've been alone. So I've, I've kind yeah. of, I was a bit more bullish in the beginning. I was taking a lot of cases and I, to this day, I'm like, what was I thinking? Um, yeah. Because I got through it somehow. Like I, I didn't get stuck or anything, but um, well, there, there was, yeah. uh, there was one endo I did. Like this is uh, like the first maybe two, three weeks where I was working. It was a lower, um, lower six. So I was doing a molar. Mm-hmm. And you know, it just like I was in a new office. It was like new systems. The system was new. It was just like a terrible like situation where like you don't want to be in because <laughs> I'm looking yeah. at her and she's looking at me and I'm like, uh, it was like a, it was like a backfill backfill like op trading system and I'd never used that before because in school we did like lateral condensation lateral sort of condensation, thing. Yeah. Um, so it's not working and I'm getting flustered and like the the keyboard isn't working on the computer. Just like a utter like disaster. Um, so I optrade the tooth and then this I take the, yeah, I take the, um, I take the final PA and it's like, like three mils short, like four, like three yeah. and a half, four millimeters short. So like, you know, like luckily it wasn't like something irreversible. I didn't perforate or I didn't yeah. like, uh, I mean, you can retrieve it's, an instrument too. It's not that big of a deal, but so I, I was yeah. like, just so rattled. And I, you know, I tell the guy, I'm like, listen, it's not as good as I wanted it to be. So, um, we can either leave it as is, or I can refer you to a specialist to like retreat this for you. And then like, I won't yeah. charge you from my end kind of thing. Um, yeah. so that was like, a, so I learned a lot from like that lesson. So with um, yeah. wisdom teeth, like how do you temporize the situation? So if you're, if you've like, you know, raised your flag yeah. and you're like, starting to remove some bone and you're like, oh, I can't get this tooth out. Like, what do you do in that case? Um, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> Thankfully, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I feel like mo- I've had, I had one case where it, um, it took me a very, like I've had to can't, like, uh, I, I, I was sweating and I was like, man, this is, this is a lot more difficult than I yeah, thought. And, um, and I, two or three patients afterwards had to reschedule because I was just, you know, falling behind. And I think initially as, as a new grad, you, unless you jump into those situations, you won't know what your limits are. Yeah. You know, I, I think we, we, from that, we learn what our limits are. We get better and we, we start to do a lot better case selection. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so it's, I think there's, there's, you know, there's a positive way of looking at it. So it's okay. As long as we, we you know, we're, um, but I think if you have your oral surgeon on speed dial, you know, uh, <laughs> I think I need to build that relationship just so, just so they're ready in case. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think so. Um, you know, m- you know, I, I need, you know, um, but worst case scenario, like I, I, um, even in residency, you know, we've run into these situations. There was one case in residency that we did where the roots were um, right on the nerve and even the oral surgeon didn't even want to, because w- during residency, we, we worked um, with the oral surgeons. Yeah. Like the attendings were oral surgeons and they even he didn't want to. Um, to so what we're doing was we um, sectioned the tooth um, where we basically like a decrowned it. I don't know if, there, if there's like a word for that, but we kind of like removed the crown and just left the roots in there yeah, and closed it up. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, because uh, and, and so even yeah, I mean, Ariel, you know, you can just. Get really well, close it up, send over to the oral surgeon ASAP. You know, um, if you just some, shove some gauze in there and be like, "Good luck." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, isn't, um, you know, broken root tips. It's basically the same thing. You know, yeah. Uh, you just, you know, broke a root tip, can't retrieve it, struggling a lot. You know, um, you suture, send over to to the oral surgeon, and as long as the patient is aware, um, like you said, like with the endo, you you don't charge them for you know um, the time, but that's okay. We're we're starting out, we're learning. We yeah, you exactly. know, our limitations. And, had, and another, but the other problem also is, um, 
I mean, obviously like, you know, Canadians are so like insurance driven, right? So um, yeah. like, everything has to be like within us. They'll come in with like a full mouth of the can. You're like, oh, I have $1,500. Like, what can you do? And you're like, well, not a whole lot. But um, so I had another. Oh, and my. <laughs> yeah, and the one whitening on top of it, probably. <laughs> yeah. um, I had, uh, this is a few weeks ago. Um, this is in an office where it's an established office I work at. And there's like three, there's two main like principal dentists that work there during the day. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I worked there basically like Thursday nights and then all day, Friday and Saturday. And we have a visit, like an endodontist that works in the office, like every Friday. Um, so she's pretty good. I've, I've learned a lot from her and she's a uh, faculty at the university of Toronto as well. So she's That's very, awesome. uh, very helpful. Um, yeah. so I saw this case, it was an upper six, um, and I had done a few in another office. I'd done like that pat, like the previous, like three or four weeks I'd done maybe, uh, four or five endo cases. So I was feeling pretty confident. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'll give this one a go. I think it should be okay. Um, so I get in there, I access, I find the canals and just like, I could, they're all like calcified. I couldn't get down at all. And, um, and like like you said, like you're running late and you're getting a bit flustered (laughs) and I didn't want to like cause more damage. So I I told the patient again, I'm like, listen, this tooth is pretty, uh, like blocked off. It's going to be tricky. I think you need to go see a specialist to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously like I didn't charge, but the problem is when, you start a case here, like, and this is how the endodontic explained to me, like, if it's an aborted case and you re- you refer to them, like, their fee yeah. is much higher. So the patient's yeah. paying, like, $1,800 for, like, that molar endo where they would have paid, like, $900 with, with us, right? So that's yeah. hard to justify. Like, unless... That's I, true. I know what you mean. Yeah. So I know. You, you don't know, like, do you offer to pay the difference or... Uh, uh, yeah, it's tricky. I, yeah, I haven't run into that situation here, to be quite honest. Um, I've run into it in like I in when I was in the states, but I I didn't know about this, to be quite honest. Like the the way that it is right here in Canada, but in the states, I've had um, two cases where the instrument broke. Uh, one of them was a hand file, and the other was a wave one um, uh, file. And yeah, the the actual rotary. Um, and uh, both times I. I mean, there probably is a higher fee because for a broken, um, but I haven't run into that here in Canada. I don't know. I that's a very good point that I don't, uh, I I don't know if I can justify you know myself and then end up uh, causing the patient to pay double just because I couldn't do it. I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. So, that's I, uh, but she told me so. Uh, just for I mean for your own uh, information too, and for uh, who yeah. is listening, um, she explained. To, so I asked her then, what happens if? You know, like you're, you know, you're at work, um, and it's like Friday afternoon, and a patient comes in with like uh, pulpitis, and you're in pain, and you yeah. gotta, you basically gotta do something. You gotta access the tooth. And I asked her, <laughs> I said, if you access the tooth and then you refer, is that like an aborted case? And she said, no. Like generally speaking, if the referring, um, the special the endodontist gets the case and they see that this was done as an emergency just to get the patient out of pain. Okay, good. Um, so that's that's a good tip so even if you get yeah. stuck if you can somehow swing it uh just to save the patient some money like yeah so it makes a difference for you but yeah um, just say yeah i did a palpectomy and then it looked like a hard case so i thought it'd be better to come to you type thing um okay so how yeah. um, how often are you doing like a wisdom tooth case because the problem is i don't do them often enough so i do i would do one and then maybe it'll be like five or six weeks or you know, a couple months. And then I feel like you, you, yeah. don't, you, you, one, you like don't have any confidence doing it that way because you're not doing it frequently enough. I mean, same with endo and yeah. all that as well. So how frequently are you doing these cases to be pretty comfortable doing them? Um, 
every few, every two or three weeks, maybe I'll do one, one surgical, um, you know, case. Um, may, I, I mean, I'm, I'm only there once a week, so it's, yeah. uh, yeah. um, I would say, but I feel just, um, sorry. It's not just the wisdom teeth. Even even uh, regular surgical extractions, they kind of um, also increase your confidence. Yeah. Um, as long as you're you know uh, you're doing the flaps, you're you're removing the bone, and kind of being careful of the other anatomy. I think it all adds up. So if the wisdom teeth are too difficult to begin with, um, if you're focusing more on the other teeth. Um, once you're once you're really comfortable with that, then you you know if you slowly you know get back into the wisdom teeth, but I like I said like I if I if I'm finding that I I don't see the cusp tips, um, if it's completely bony impacted, then those I I most probably don't I, I wouldn't do, yeah, yeah um, because I also think okay the oral surgeon can can get this done within 10 minutes you know yeah. why why would i miss that and, and another thing like you said you enjoyed it you know i personally don't enjoy it as much so although if the patient is in pain if i have the time if i think i can do it but otherwise um probably better done by the specialist <laughs> you know patient <laughs> probably too. Yeah. like it because when, when i'm you know i'm just doing the one side I'm not, um, you know, they, uh, they got to come back for the other side, but personally, when I had mine taken out all, all four, all at once, you know, yeah. full surgeon and it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so. And that's the thing too, because if, if you're going to do it under local, if you don't want to do like two blocks, um, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's not as good for the patient. I feel like, cause they got to go through the whole healing process. Like twice. twice. Yes. Um, yes. So that's also like, it's, it's hard to justify it. I think unless, yeah. um, I recently did, um, my moderate sedation course. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got the, the permit for that. So I'm, I haven't done any yet, but I want to do some cases under, uh, you know, like triazolam and combine it with. Is nitrous. that for oral? Yeah. So oral, if, um, so within, um, I actually didn't notice until I took the course because I thought, um, even for nitrous, um, you needed some sort of uh, certification, which apparently you don't. So, um, if you want to do just nitrous by itself, you can do it. Um, yeah, you can and do if you want to do just oral sedation, um, like smaller dosages of like triazolam or diazepam, um, you can also do that. Um, well, but when you uh, you need the permit is if you're going to mix them. So because you're going to go sort of transition from um, oh, okay. sedation into like moderate sedation. And uh, okay. so, yeah, so I did that. So I want to uh, book that. I've, I've got a, um, a nice like full clearance case coming up in a few weeks. I'm pretty excited for that. Um, yeah. So I'm going to be trying the moderate sedation there. So hopefully... Because uh, it's a pretty, yeah. it's a relatively anxious patient, and obviously it's a pretty traumatic procedure for them. So, yeah, hopefully it works out. I think if you can offer that to the patients, that's awesome. Because who isn't scared of you know? I'm going to the dentist. You know, whatever you can do to make it easier for them, it's awesome that you you know you you got that um, under your belt and you can kind of practice it. Um, but yeah, I would I would pro. You know, if you see a case where you can visualize the cusp, you can, you, can, you know, you can, you can see where you're going to put your flap. You can see on the x-ray, it's far away from the nerve. For me personally, uh, I always go, like, if it's far from the nerve, I'm a lot more relaxed yeah, in there. Yeah, for sure. Because that's, but I'm, I feel like I'm more so always worried about the lingual nerve than the like, inferior alveolar nerve. Um, I just, yeah, I just, I guess so, if you're going to damage a nerve, I think that'd be one more traumatic for the patient. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I try not to go at like when I'm sectioning the tooth, I try not to go all the way, you know, completely. Yeah. Like I leave the, a little bit and then with the, with the elevators, I'll kind of break the tooth. Yeah. You gotta be pretty safe with that. Yeah. 
uh, up afterwards. Um, but yeah, um, and then I've also had um, during residency we had a case uh, where the sinus was per or um, perforated, oh, yeah. and um, the came in and he's like, "What did you do?" <laughs> You know he's 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 sitting there and now he's uh he has he had to it was um can't remember if it was I think it was number three so and the Canadian number is um one six oh yeah or, that's hard yeah. how did you transition that by the way coming from the um, American numbering system to like our yeah, numbering system it took me a few weeks I'm yeah. not gonna lie it took me a few weeks. <laughs> I had a chart with me and I had a cheat sheet and I'd always oh okay yeah that's that too because yeah. I it was really confusing actually yeah, sure. um, but now I find the Canadian one so much easier. It's, it's more <laughs> practical, right? Because it, it really is. That's why when I went to because uh, I was in Australia and I have a, a friend of mine. Um, he was doing dentistry in London, uh, Western, and yeah. I messaged him. I'm like, oh, what num like what numbering system do you guys use? I hope you don't use like the crazy American like system. He's like, no, no, don't worry. Like we're the same as you guys. I'm like, oh, okay, thank God. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so because yeah, like when you read some papers and stuff, or even like when I'm listening to all these like American uh, podcasts, they're talking about yeah, yeah, I was doing like a root canal and like a number like thirteen, so I'm like counting with like my tongue. I'm like, okay, one, two, three, four. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah, it makes a lot more sense the the way we do it in Canada, yeah, but uh, like I'm not, hopefully I never forget the American one because um, it's just ingrained in my you know my brain. Yeah. But uh, I do find the Canadian one a lot more convenient. Um, <laughs> That's great. So uh, what I wanted to sort of, like the last topic, um, I've had you on for a while now, so I'll yeah. let you go soon. And something I just recently started thinking about myself was um, when you're doing your hygiene checks, like how much time do you actually spend, uh, one, even like asking your hygienist about like the patient's yeah. perio situation? Because I feel like I'm, I haven't really yes. focused on perio at all, like really since I graduated yeah. and working and you know, more recently, I've been asking the hygienist, like, oh, okay, how's the pockets and everything? How's the patient doing with that sort of stuff? So yeah. one, one is that. And two, how much time do you spend, like, talking about, like, oral hygiene, like, instruction and that kind of stuff with your, yeah. your patients? Either, like, after you, like, do a restoration or whatever or during your hygiene checks. Because I, I just want to see if, because yeah. I don't do much of it and I, I kind of feel bad about that. So I wanted to see, yeah. uh, you know, what, like, what do you do? How much time do you spend or if, if you talk about it at all? Yeah. So um, one of my pet peeves is um, doing work on someone who has a lot of plaque and perio issues. Like that's, uh, you know, that that's probably the worst thing that I can, the, uh, the worst situation that can be in my chair is someone who has severe perio and I have to do these fillings and I'm like, you know, just, so I, I do, um, I might be, I, I, I'm probably, I don't know if, if, um, if other dentists do this, but I do spend a lot of time discussing the flossing and the hygiene and um, not as much with the, with the hygienist, because I do feel like if the hygienist is good, and that's a very big if, yeah. because I've worked with hygienists who... There's a big variety. Well, yes, there's a huge variety when it comes to the hygienists. If the hygienist is good, um, and she is actually spending the time doing all the, um, you know, instruction and showing them with the mirror, using the uh, disclosing tablets and the water picks and all of that... Um, then, then that helps you a lot. But then if you get the patient that is not motivated, not, then I actually, um, before I start the filling, I'll hold the mirror up to the, you know, uh, up to them and I'll say, okay, this is your patient, hold the mirror. I'm going to show you what's around your tooth that I'm going to fill. And I want you to realize how that plaque and that calculus 
puts you at a disadvantage right now because it's kind of getting in the way of me doing your filling or me doing a, you know, a very good job for you and how it's going to, I always explain it to them that it's kind of like building the foundation of the house. If you don't have the strong walls, if you don't have the strong foundation, why would you hang a picture there? You know? So that's, that's the one analogy that I always, because I feel like perio is really, it's the main thing, you know, you like, if the perio is, is, is bad, everything else is just going to go downhill and your work is just going to fail. It's just a matter of time. Um, I don't spend, I probably don't spend much time as I would like. Um, when it comes to the checks, we can always probably spend more time, get to know the patients more. Um, one thing I'm not, I, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but the one, um, Actually, this isn't. This wasn't through a podcast. This was through uh, an audiobook. But um, Dr. Ferran, Howard Ferran, yeah. uh, I've been listening to his audiobook, and one of the things that he said is, after you numb the patient, you know that you know five minutes of waiting for the anesthetic to work. Yeah. Utilize. Yeah. I. He's, he was saying, you know, utilize that time to get to know the patient. Sometimes I'll. I'll I'll utilize that time for hygiene. <laughs> that will I be my, my time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that will be my time to to discuss hygiene with them, um, and what that's, that's you know what. Yeah, I mean to them, you know, the procedure and all of that, and uh, yeah, uh, what we're doing and and the hygiene and um, yeah, I don't know if I, if that answered the question, but I I do try to spend at least ten to fifteen minutes if I'm doing any. Fifteen minutes is actually too. That's if it's if if they do have a major case that I need to actually um, work on, but more. Especially kids, they're probably much quicker. Yeah. But if they don't have, you know, if they don't have a lot of issues, then it's usually five to ten minutes. If they do have a case and we're discussing different treatment plans, it can take longer. Another thing too, um, if they do need, if you know, a, a very, if it's a difficult, if it's a more difficult case and you need a, a treatment plan, what I've been doing is, um, I'll tell them, okay, you know, we have your X-rays. We know that you need. Fillings, root canals, you know, you need all of this. I'm going to book you an appointment and we'll, we'll get started with it. And then during that, uh, initially, before we start, I'll actually discuss your whole treatment with you. Like if I don't have time to actually sit down with them and um, discuss the case with them. Because sometimes you're running behind and you don't have time to, to give them different options. So I'll tell them, okay, so we're going to do um, we're going to do this one filling. Let's agree we're going to start with that. When you come in, um, then I'm going to um, just uh, discuss your case with you. Yeah, that's a good idea. I've I've sort of done that, but I but the way you do it is better because I I'll see them and then I'll say let's book a half an hour like consult, just come back and then I'll sit them like in a different room so we're not like in the patient like you know the chair is not there and everything. Yeah, but I, I like that you tie it in with an appointment so you're not wasting their time necessarily. Like they're doing a procedure on the same day. That's a good idea. I think I might start uh, incorporating yeah. that a bit. If you can, I mean, sometimes you can't, you know, sometimes the case is just jumping right into extractions and, and um, I don't know, potential partials, implants, bridges. So you can't really build it into anything, you know, but if they do have a filling, then I'll bring them for a filling and, and you know, um, and we'll do that. But uh, but sometimes like you, I, I think I actually think that it's awesome to be able to just sit down with the patient, not and not while in the, the you know, without the dental chair. Yeah, I've, I've I haven't done it too, not too much, to be honest, but. The couple times I've done it, it's actually yeah. I've got great results. Um, I've yeah. booked a yeah, couple of, like bigger cases doing that because they come mm-hmm. back. They the patient sees that you know you've put time in one like prepping the treatment plan because you're presenting you know options and everything, True. and you're taking the time to sit with them. Like it shows a lot of like empathy as well, like towards their needs. So um, I think it's a great idea. I'm gonna I should start doing it more and more. 
yeah. Um, yeah. So I was just saying, I think it's a good idea. Um, because yeah. most offices I, are do have that consult room, and I was always wondering, like, how do I incorporate this into like my mm-hmm. clinical practice? So, yeah, I think it's something that I'll start doing. I think a it would bit be more. awesome if you can incorporate it, um, because I do. I, I would love to do probably more of that. You know, find an, find a half an hour, an hour if you have, and if especially if you're not doing it as often, you know, just for the bigger cases, you can you can probably do it, or even during you know your your lunch hour or anything like that, you can bring them in, discuss their case, and show them different, you know. Um, outcomes, uh, show them on a tooth model, show them pictures online. I think they can really benefit from that. Yeah, that's great. Um, so just lastly here quickly, I just want to get into um, sort of case acceptance. Um, that's something that coming out, like obviously in school, you don't really learn anything about. Um, no. So since you're in Canada as well, it's, it's more applicable to me directly. Um, how sort of how are you approaching uh, treatment planning and getting case acceptance for um, like crown like non basics basically? Because you know how like for that kind of stuff, patients usually have about fifty percent um, on average coverage versus like you know seventy, yeah. eighty, or one hundred percent for basic work. How are you? Yeah. What sort of stuff are you doing? Or do you have some sort of like routine or like uh, keywords? Um, that you're using with patients to get acceptance on those kind of cases? Yeah. So I really think that education is probably the most important thing. If they know why this treatment is really needed, then they are more likely to invest in it. Because most patients most patients are coming in with phones, um, you know, whatever other, you know, um, say you know like sometimes i'll have uh, you know the, some some women walk in with like the most expensive purses ever i'm like okay listen let's priorities yeah this tooth yeah, is just as important priorities. as how you look because without it you're not gonna, you know like i think if you tell them how important it is and tell them why you're presenting it um another thing too is uh, not all the offices i've worked at offer payment plans but i and i that's not something that i can control but i do think that the offices that do offer it um are probably easier when it comes to case acceptance patients is like okay fine you know i'll, I'll pay half and then you know half I'll, I'll pay later on or another thing too is i'll i'll uh, expand the treatment so like let's say i do a root canal now i'll tell them okay you can't afford the root canal all in one go what we'll do is we'll cut it up over two visits so one day i'll do my you know cleaning and shaping instrumenting and shaping and then the other visit i'll do um, obturation I'll, I'll put in the you know the core and then we'll wait for the crown another month or two until we save up for it i don't mind doing that you know i don't have to into like doing it all you know, all right away. I find that that helps. And if the, if it, if that's more likely for them to accept the case, that's then I'll great, do it. That's great, yeah. I don't know, if, but I still run into trouble where every, every day, every day almost. You know, it's, I don't know. Um, I wish I had an answer for it, but I uh, I wish dentistry wasn't expensive. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, and I think the one problem that I think we have in Canada is because our healthcare is sort of covered with OHIP uh, patients have no idea like how expensive stuff is um, so they only yeah. think we are overcharging because yeah. they don't know how much like their you know emergency room yeah. visit costs like going to the hospital so because of that they're like wow like I'm paying like you know $180 yeah. for like a filling like that's crazy kind of thing because I have nothing to sort of compare to um, yeah with case acceptance I mean I'm pretty okay with like, communicating with patients and building yeah. rapport but where I want to improve and where I've been sort of spending some time trying mm. to like refine is having it more systematic. So I'm not going in there and kind of like winging it. 
um, I want it to be more systemized, like, you know, like etch prime bond, that kind of thing. Like, so I know like, this is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to say it and have like keywords or phrases that I use for like certain situations for like every patient. And I think the, from the books and the, you know, the podcasts and stuff I listen to, the, the people who are really successful at it, they do have that sort of systemized way that they break it down. So yeah, that's something, I think that's my, my next thing. Cause I want to do bigger cases that, you know, you don't want to just always do restorations and stuff or even like, you know, try and do some like aesthetics and that kind of stuff. You really need to have that case presentation and case acceptance down pretty, pretty well before you can get into that kind of work, I think. So that's great. Okay. Uh, so I've kept you here for a long time. I know you, you got a young one at home too and uh, probably got to work tomorrow. So I really um, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. It's, it was um, a great chat. I, time flew by actually. Yeah. So hopefully <laughs> hopefully I can get you on uh, on another episode thanks. sometime soon. Um, so I've so been, uh, yeah, I've been uh, recording a few episodes and I want to just yeah. sort of edit them all and then I'll, I'll sort of, I want to put like, you know, three or four episodes at the same time when I put it on iTunes. Yeah. So hopefully that way people sort of um, listen to I honestly it. think it's an awesome idea because like you said, there's not out there, there's nothing like this out there. And um, I would definitely benefit from listening to more, you know, new grads and new associates and all of that um, that are starting out. And I think we can learn a lot from from things like this, you know, um, especially like we all, for me, I I drive a lot. So during my commute, I'm mostly doing the audiobooks and the podcast. So, yeah. So I think we all, we can all find the time to do that and it's enjoyable too. Um, and we get to meet, you know, great people and, um, benefit from each other. So what's not to like, you know, it's perfect. And it's, it's worldwide. Like the, because of the internet, like I I, I had an interview with a guy, uh, he's a second year associate in Scotland yesterday. Uh, That was pretty cool. Like I'm just, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it was started off as like a little hobby, but I'm I'm pretty like into it now. So hopefully, I, yeah. um, it takes off and um, and I keep and you know it keeps going and people get some good value from it. So uh, yeah. thanks again, and um, no. I'll be in touch. No. And I'm looking forward to yeah. seeing some good cases from you on Instagram. Well, thank you. And, same, uh, same I just love the cases that you post because I feel like it's you know um, what we see every day. So yeah, it's yeah. So I need to. Uh, I was talking to uh, his. His name is Callum, the the dentist I talked to yesterday. Um, I just need to get a better camera. I think to get a little bit better quality pictures. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah, like I said, it's but a hobby okay. for now, so it's just it's just taking off slowly, yeah. and uh, it's an exciting time. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I just recently got a new camera, and um, I'm I'm still playing around with it actually I, I i got it a while ago now starting to use it and um and it's sometimes it's, it just gets so frustrating i'm like oh i'm just gonna use my iphone again but, <laughs> so but like you said yeah. it takes yeah um but most of the cases that i did initially the, the you know when i when i was in the states they were basically all all iphone yeah. and then now i'm starting to kind of force myself to use a better camera and that um but yeah it's um we'll get there one yeah, day there's a bit of a, a learning curve i think but uh, once you once you learn the results are like much better so i think it's really yeah worth it. definitely but it's, it's awesome what you're doing um Thank you. maybe one day we'll we'll meet at a continuing ed course yeah, for sure let me know um yeah. Uh, yeah if you come to toronto for a course let me know yeah they're sure. all we'll catch up. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> all right thanks a lot take care all right no problem have a good night bye take care